Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm Helen and this is the Squiggly Careers podcast where every week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss ideas for action and advice that we hope will help you and definitely us to navigate our squiggly careers. And this is our first episode of 2022. Woohoo! Is that exciting? I don't know. I Not don't really. Know. But, <laughs> but if you are listening after your Christmas break, uh, because we know lots of people do listen like episode after episode, but some people just listen in a random or squiggly order, which is fine too. But if you're one of the people who is listening after the Christmas break, we do hope that you feel rested. And I guess this is a January episode and we recognise that that can feel sluggish, a sluggish start for some people, but also a clean slate for others. I feel we all come to January and our careers slightly differently it's my uh, birthday it's, will this come oh. out on my birthday i think it is might it just do before is it just before oh. so i just come at it thinking it's my birthday very Happy selfishly birthday. thanks <laughs> hope you had a nice day <laughs> um so other than sarah's birthday which i feel you did also mention you're very fixated on your birthday being in january it came up in one of well, our it's because Instagram it's a videos. rubbish time to have a birthday because it's too close to christmas and also early january is not exactly celebration it's like grey days it's pretty cold <laughs> so I feel like I have to talk myself into having a good birthday <laughs> so Sarah is probably one of the sluggish starters yeah. whereas I am an exuberant clean slater <laughs> shocker <laughs> shocker what, what, what a surprise hello to new listeners that's probably Sarah and I in a nutshell in our differences sometimes but regardless it is a time when many of us set uh, resolutions for our personal life for our professional life and we do that often with good intentions but know that the outcomes might not go the way that we want. Research says that 92% of people who set New Year's resolutions never actually achieve them. Which do is... you set them? I feel like well, you this sort of thing you would do. I, I like to have a word for the year. You know, like yeah, rather than an intention, I feel like the thing that works for me and I come back to repeatedly is starting the year with like a word in mind of how I want the mm. year to feel and to kind of focus on. That works for me. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I've had too many failed resolutions. So mm. actually I'm very, I am very future focused. So I quite like a goal. And I like the idea of something being different, but I've, I think I've often just set them completely out of context or out of my own reality and then nothing changes. And I've sort of lost love for thinking, oh, I'm going to set these resolutions that, to be honest, three or four weeks later, I've made zero progress and I just give up on for the next 11 months. Yeah, I think they're like framing it around a word or a theme just feels a little bit more flexible like yeah, me, maybe that could be a different idea for action because it's not the one that we've put no. on our list of 10 <laughs> that we have to you today. So what we thought was whether 
you know, you're coming into January just feeling a bit flat or you're really, really focused on yourself and your development. We wanted to give you lots of quick things that you can do that can help you to put you at the top of your to-do list. And so we have got 10 practical ideas for action to support you with your development. And you could do one of these, you could do one a month. We have actually got a tool that we will tell you about at the end of today's episode that might also help you beyond just the things that we're going to share today. But we just wanted it to feel like a positive start perhaps to your year. So here we go. I feel like this is almost like the top 10, but we've definitely not thought about them in that way. We've just thought, what are 10 things that will be useful whenever you are listening and wherever you are in your career, whether you're just getting started or whether you maybe this is the last year of your work before you retire or choose to do something different. We hope these are universally useful. Idea for action one is to start with your strengths. And the action that we're recommending here is to ask three different people the same strengths-based feedback question, which is, where do you see me at my best? And I think this is a really simple, straightforward question. You're doing a good job of framing your feedback here, which is always, I think, important. So you make it easier for somebody to give you useful feedback that you can do something with. And the reason we say three people, not just one, is I think it can be quite helpful to choose maybe three people who work with you in different ways, maybe someone who works with you alongside you and who knows you really well, maybe your manager, maybe someone you've worked with in quite an ad hoc way, or maybe even someone you've worked with previously. But I think think quite carefully about who those three people are and make sure they don't all kind of work with you in the same way because you'll probably get more of the same versus if you ask three quite different people who see you show up and use your strengths in different ways, you'll improve the quality of the responses that you get. And also you'll then improve your self-awareness as a result. So starting with something really positive. And if you don't already ask for strengths-based feedback regularly, I think it's such a, a useful, simple thing that we can all do that helps us to figure out, does our intent match our impact? And I think when you do this with a mixture of people, so some people you've worked with for the first time or some people you've worked with for a long time, it's just very interesting to compare the different answers. And I think Mm. you spot some blind spots as well. When I've done this before, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that that was what you thought I was good at. And it's just a point for reflection for you and your development. So idea for action number two is to reframe your limiting beliefs to limit less beliefs. And this is something that we talk about quite a lot when we are supporting people with their confidence in their career. And limiting beliefs are sort of doubts that get in our way. We all have them. It might sound like kind of a fear of failure or a fear of maybe you're not knowing enough or maybe feeling like that you need to be liked in order to succeed at work or even your age possibly getting in your way. These limiting beliefs that we carry are often never said to us. So no one's ever said, oh, Helen, you're a bit too young to try that out. They're often a little narrative or a story we've created for ourselves. But the problem with these self-created stories is they stop us doing things that we want to do in our career they get in the way of our growth and so what we suggest you do this idea for action is first of all you've got to acknowledge what that limiting belief is so next time it pops into your head maybe put it down on paper so that you can see it but what we really want you to do is reframe it from a limiting belief into a limitless belief I'll give you a few examples here So maybe you have this limiting belief that if I fail, I'm a failure. That's quite fixed. Definitely won't help you move forward. But what you could do is you could reframe that to a limit less belief that might sound and look more like if I fail or even when I fail, because we're all probably going to fail at some point, I never fail to learn. 
And the thing you want to focus on is that limitless belief, particularly in those moments, the way you kind of your doubts get triggered. Maybe another one might be, I don't know enough. That's quite a common one that we hear quite a lot from people. And maybe a limitless belief could be how I grow is more important than what I know. This idea that we're all, you know, focused on on learning and being learn-it-alls and, and really moving your identity more to that belief than the one that would hold you back. You're so good at that. I think that's one of your super skills, being able to reframe those limiting to limitless beliefs. But probably of the 10 that we're going to talk about, I think that's the hardest action. So if you do find that a bit trickier, it takes a bit more time, it's useful perhaps to listen to our first ever 10 podcast episodes that were all about confidence gremlins because I think we gave lots of ideas for action in those episodes about how to do this kind of limiting to limitless beliefs so particularly if you've got a confidence gremlin or a limiting belief that sounds like one of those episodes listen to that specific episode because then it'll help you to kind of dive a bit deeper if that feels like the action you want to start with. Idea for action three is to have one curious career conversation maybe even every month with someone you've not met before. And the idea with curious career conversations is those people unlock our thinking, they help us to think differently, they give us new perspectives, you get a window into other people's worlds. And I think what's really important about those people, and sometimes particularly the newness that I've mentioned, you know, with someone you've not met before, is that just helps us to have a real explorative approach to our careers. And in particular, if this is the year where you're thinking, I'd like to change careers, and that might be a really small change, or that could be quite a significant change. When you're meeting people you've not met before, they're sometimes described as weak ties. And we did an episode last year about working your weak ties. And we know that when you meet new people, the advantage of those people is that they know things you don't know, and they know people that you don't know. So often they are particularly useful, those connections are particularly useful if you're thinking about making a change of some description or if you want to kind of explore something different. And also, I think regardless of whether you're planning to make a change or not, just spending a bit of time having these like meerkat moments where you are popping your head up outside of your day job and you're just scanning and you're just being really interested. Often those are moments that give us really great energy And without even knowing it, they spark new ideas and new energy. And so every time I've stopped doing this, I sort of feel that loss. And then every Mm. time I've made the effort and said yes, even though these conversations sometimes feel like nice to do's or easy to deprioritize, I try to now make a real effort to think, no, that's really important because I will learn something from every single one of those conversations. And if you're interested in having better conversations, I'd really recommend Celeste Headley's TED Talk. We talked to her on the podcast previously and her TED Talk, which is 10 Ways to Have Better Conversations, is one of my favourite career TED Talks. It's just very specific and short and funny as well. She's got a really good sense of humour. I think some people might feel that some of the things that they could do with their career development stall when they can't be with people in person. But I think you can have equally effective, curious career conversations virtually. And sometimes you can have them with people that you might not be able to have in mm-hmm. person. So don't let a virtual or in-person thing get in the way here. Just have, go for the variety and see which ones feel different. So idea for action number four is to figure out your mindset magnets. 
So what we're really trying to do with our career development is to stay in growth mindset as much as possible, because this is when we're really open to opportunities. And even though we recognize that things might not always feel easy, or we might put ourselves into situations or be working with people where it might feel quite challenging, we're able to do that. We're able to go into the new situations, we're able to do the hard things, and we grow more because of it. The thing that can get in our way is when we fall into fixed mindset. So when we say, well, I can't do that, or I don't know how to do that, or I've done that before and it won't work again. The reality is we all fall into fixed mindset at some times in our career. And there are different triggers that we're all susceptible to in different ways. So what we really want to do is to figure out what your fixed mindset magnets are so that you are able to sort of protect yourself against them and then you can stay in growth mindset mode as much as possible. So if I think about mine, if I think about in my career when I have fallen into fixed mindset, so when I get a bit like I can't do it or you can't do it or we can't do it, just a little bit negative, it tends to be around a lot of process. So whenever I'm in a situation that there's an awful lot of process when it feels quite hierarchical, when it feels like quite in sort of a negative environment. I think there's some kind of osmosis thing that goes on for me where I just become a bit defensive and defeatist. It's not me at my best. And that's the point, really. Fixed mindset is not anyone at their best. So what I have to do is almost spot when I'm in conversations where that might happen, I will often now flip more to a curious question rather than being defensive. So if people are feeling a bit negative, which is completely normal, not everyone's positive all the time, but rather than letting that affect me and my mindset, what I will do is go back with curious questions to try and move myself forward and stay in growth mindset rather than fall into fixed mindset because I'm around some of those things that might trigger my negativity. What are some of your fixed mindsets, Magnets, do you think, Sarah? I think the one that I've worked the hardest on is... I often fall into fixed when plans change. So I don't like plans changing, basically. Um, And I think that comes from a sense of wanting to be in control. I like to be in control and I, I know that about myself. And so when plans change, that might be because, you know, external factors mean that things change or, you know, something unexpected happens. And obviously that happens all the time. I think that leaves me feeling out of control. And then I become really fixed. I become mm. fixed in my what could then happen. I think I become unusually negative for somebody who's optimistic and positive Like most of the time. I can feel quite down about it and that probably then shows up in the conversations that I have. And so what actually was most useful about that was sort of going, you don't need to beat yourself up. You know, like sometimes when you have these fixed mindset magnets, I think knowing that we all have growth and fixed mindset is firstly just going, okay, so I accept that that's not me at my best and that's never going to be me at my best. But what can I do in those moments? What can I do differently? And part of it is also what you tell yourself, back to the stories that we tell ourselves. So I often have to say to myself in my head, oh, but it could be better. So yeah, the original plan might not be happening, but this new plan or our alternative plan or what we might do instead, because we are thinking creatively or having to do something maybe different, maybe it'll be better than what we had planned. So not assuming it's going to be worse. My head goes to... A plan has changed, therefore the outcome is going to be worse versus a plan has changed, something could therefore be even better. Like, who knows where we might go? I love that. And also, because some of our plans might have changed this month, I'm, I'm now thinking, <laughs> oh, how could that actually help us get to some different outcomes? That's quite quite an exciting yeah. frame. And I think I'm influenced there by the work of Adam Morgan, who's on the podcast later this month, where he talks about a beautiful constraint and how you approach constraints through 
kind of a lens of curiosity and creativity. And so what I try to do is think, well, I am a curious and creative person. So when those fixed mindsets come my way, try and then sort of bring that best of me to those situations rather than bringing the worst of me. But they don't kind of go away. I don't think you suddenly then become a growth mindset robot where everything is brilliant all of the time. I think it's your ability to react and respond changes. And I've noticed that in myself. Like sometimes I feel proud almost and people might not even be able to visibly see it of things change and then I'm much more able to then go with the flow and be more comfortable with that ambiguity, which let's face it, is pretty important, I think, in in the last year or so. So idea for action number five is writing down your very small successes. And the way that we would suggest you have a go at this is pick a month. So maybe you want to do it for January, but maybe you're listening to this in August and you want to get started in August. I think the really important point is that you commit to this for at least two, three, four weeks. If you can do a month, brilliant. And we'd also suggest including your weekends as part of this because you have very small successes every day and they might be slightly more personal, very small successes, and that might be part of your working day or they might be more professional ones. The point is about writing them down because when we both recognise our very small successes but most importantly write them down, it helps our brain to process them more fully. We've talked before about our brains all have a negativity bias That's okay because that's our brain sort of protecting us and that means that we are better at remembering and recalling and spend more time thinking about the things that don't go well. So we sort of have to balance out our brains a bit and they are kind of hardwired to go slightly more in that negativity bias direction. So we sort of need to do a bit of rebalancing and doing this very small success exercise I think just helps to readdress that balance, helps you to feel optimistic, helps you to see all of your positive progress. The time when I do this exercise, because I do this exercise repeatedly most years at different points during a year, I do it where I'm feeling maybe my self-confidence feels a bit depleted for some reason, or maybe I'm just finding things hard with, you know, not any more specific than that. It's just like, I feel like this is hard at the moment and I, I need a bit of help to see some of the good stuff because perhaps there's either a lot going on or maybe I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. And coming back to these very small successes really helps me to build like my resilience reserves and really helps me to get a bit of useful momentum to sort of restart if you've had sort of a tricky time or a tricky couple of weeks. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So idea for action number six is all about active rest. And this is something we talked about with Alex Pang on an earlier podcast. And it's really the idea that when we think about how we can be our best at work, I think most people accept that having some form of rest is a good thing. But actually, some types of rest are more impactful for you than others. So imagine like a spectrum and on one end, you've got being very restful. So almost like a meditative or sleeping and on the other end of this spectrum you've got being restless when you're doing lots and lots of different things all at the same time a lot of people think that the best kind of rest is you know sleep and meditation and there is an awful lot of value in that but it's not always easy to do in your work day and there might be some things that get in the way and I don't think we should assume as well that everyone can everyone finds meditation easy like I think you and I have both tried that and it has it's been quite hard to make that I don't know what it says about us that neither of us can do it (laughs) (laughs) but actually what Alex Pang has shown in his work is that active rest is the highest quality form of rest that you can work on and this is where you do something that really absorbs your energy and your attention. So it's something that you enjoy doing. When you do it, you're able to shut off everything else. So like the noise of work, the distractions that might get in your way, the to-do list that's ever present in your mind. There will be some kind of exercise that you can do, some activity that when you do it, you're like in the zone. You can find your flow and everything else sort of disappears for a bit of a while. And that's actually a really healthy, place for us to spend some time the thing that you need to do is work out what is active rest for you because when we've talked to people in our sessions and actually this is in you coach you we include this it looks different for everybody so for me for example something like either hiking up a mountain which I don't do very often which really works for me something that I do far more regularly is I've talked about this a lot on the podcast but it's peloton for me because I find like the music and the intensity of it, it just takes all of my intention and half an hour doing that is actually sort of the best kind of rest that I can do versus sitting down on a sofa and watching TV. That is actually not high quality rest for me. Sarah, what's active rest for you? Reading fiction. It's probably the only example in the last year of the thing that I have continually committed to that does help me like I'm when I'm reading fiction and it's the last thing I do in my day before I go to sleep I'm never thinking about work I'm always absorbed in the story that I'm reading it definitely helps me to kind of wind down from my day so it does definitely feel restful but by active it doesn't mean you have to be you don't have to be moving your brain just has to be fully in the moment with that thing Mm. um and when I'm reading fiction I don't find actually thoughts of work or other things are going on in my head I am just reading my book so It's definitely one of those areas that I think since the pandemic started, I don't have as much of it in my life as I've had previously. And I feel that detrimentally that I've missed some of that. But yeah, reading is the one thing that I sort of hold on to. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, actually, that active doesn't have to be like what I've said. Mine happens to be quite active, but it's more it's active for your mind. It Mm. consumes your mind and allows you to kind of shut off from the other things that might 
sort of some people it's cooking you. isn't it cooking yeah, computer painting, games gardening playing music puzzles yeah it's it's working out there's two things you need to know here to really make it work for you what is this active rest thing for you that's very absorbing and the second is how can you be very proactive about making time for it because you might find that it doesn't always make your to-do list or it doesn't always seem like a priority even though it is so think about how can I practically make this part of my week and what is this active rest that works for me so idea for action number seven is even better ifing your work week which I appreciate isn't a real word even better ifing your work (laughs) week but it was the best way we could think to describe what we're trying to encourage everybody to have a go at here so this is really the act of taking a week and every day setting an intention to think how could I make tomorrow even better than it would be if I sort of did that day without any conscious development Often when we talk about, you know, you learn the most just through the work that you do. Sometimes people talk about something called the 70-20-10 learning model, where 70% of what we learn is through doing our jobs day in, day out. That's what we spend most of our time doing. But I always think that learning and that development doesn't happen by accident. We have to be really intentional about making it happen. And one way to do this, to really kind of set your intentions around your self-improvement is either at the start or at the end of the day, depending on which works best for you. I think I would always be better doing this at the end of the day, looking at tomorrow and thinking, well, what would it take to even better if tomorrow? But I can imagine, Helen, because you're a real morning person, you might do that at the start of your day and think, well, how can I be even better today than I would be if I just turned up and sort of went through my day more unconsciously? And that can look like anything from... So I was having a go at this. I was thinking, right, okay, let's practice what we preach. What might that look like for me tomorrow? It might be... Well, for my tomorrow to be even better if it might be starting with that hard piece of work that I've been putting off or that presentation that I've been procrastinating over. Both very real life examples there. Or it might be thinking in that meeting tomorrow, I'm going to really focus on improving my listening. You know, I'm going to really set an intention in that meeting to be there to really actively listen, to really think hard about kind of what people are saying and to kind of create that space for other people to kind of have those conversations maybe it's that maybe it's about experimenting with something that's kind of been on your mind for a while that you think oh I want to experiment with asking more questions I want to experiment with working in a different way I might be even better if tomorrow I worked in a coffee shop for two hours so it can be absolutely anything but it's sort of getting into this habit I think of continual improvement but in a way that feels really positive and owned by you versus feeling I sometimes think if you took this the wrong way it could feel relentless in an unhelpful way you might be like the pressure you know to always feel like you're like I'd always need to be better and I'm not sure that helps us to be better versus if you are choosing consciously kind of taking control of what could even better if look like tomorrow I think you have a very different relationship with always getting better and I think sometimes I naturally do this, but I think if you were writing this down every day for a week and really focusing on it, it would probably just remind you that there are some days that you just sort of go through without that conscious development. And then there are other days that probably were a bit better than others. Also, I think even better if doesn't always mean even better if I do more. It could be I'd be even better if I said no to something and I did I yeah. did less. And I just want to kind of specifically make that point because I shared something on Instagram over over the weekend, an article that Elizabeth Day had written about um, uh, when it's that. time to quit. Yeah. And I had a lot of messages from people actually saying, I'm really glad that you've shared that because 
there's quite a lot of pressure to be doing more and to be doing better. But I think that sometimes doing better can be saying no or stopping something that's been going on for a while or recognising when you might need to quit. So yeah, it doesn't always have to be even better if does not always mean you have to be doing more and faster. Sometimes it might be, I'd be even better if I slowed down today or I took some things out of my calendar so that I had more time to focus. Well, I think the key word for us all to remember if we're doing this one is is the better. It's like, what is going to make me better? And what might make you better is using your strengths more, finishing an hour early so you can go to the gym, having a conversation and reconnecting with someone you've not spoken to for a while. It's the betterness that we want rather than thinking, oh, this is about moreness, which I think is a very different starting point. So idea for action number eight is about overcoming your fears. So if you feel that there is a fear getting in your way, and this might be linked to the limiting belief, if that resonated with you, then what we really want to help you to do is to overcome it so that you can move forward with you and your development. And we're going to borrow Tim Ferriss's work on fear setting here, because it's just a nice practical framework that might help you with this. He's actually got a really good TED talk, which explains this concept in more detail as well. But the idea is that rather than letting the doubt delay your development, what we're going to do is kind of really address it. So maybe let me talk through an example of how this could work in practice. So I think a fear that quite a lot of people have would be public speaking. And what they might do is think, well, I have that fear, therefore I'm never going to take the opportunity to speak in public. But let's use that now. So what you want to do, first of all, name the fear. So I have a fear of public speaking. The second thing you want to do is think how you could prevent that fear from holding you back. So that would probably include things like, well, I could practice in a really safe environment. So rather than, you know, presenting to my whole department at once, maybe I just practice my presentation. Well, first of all, I could do it to myself in front of a camera. That might feel quite scary, but at least at least it's just I think you I'd rather not see myself. I think I'd rather do it to other people <laughs> than I would to see myself, to be honest. <laughs> so that's one option. Or maybe you do it just to one person that you trust, maybe someone that can give you some feedback and they can really tell you about what's working well and give you maybe some ideas for improvement but that would be a way of sort of preventing that fear from meaning that you never moved forward the second thing that you want to do is think about how you could repair it if the worst thing happened so let's say you do do your presentation but the thing that you're scared of like I don't know forgetting your words or maybe just freezing because someone's asked you a difficult question maybe that does happen what you want to do is think about well how would I respond to it so that you're ready for it in advance that gives us more confidence so for example have you got your particularly if you're doing it virtually you can have your notes in front of you so worst case scenario you do forget what you're going to say it's okay because your notes are in front of you and you don't have to worry about remembering everything or maybe you think well what if I do get a difficult question from somebody that throws me off course? You can use a technique of putting the question back on the person. This really helps me. So let's say someone asks you a question, you think, I don't know the answer to that. Rather than letting that kind of stall you in that situation, you just go back to the person and say, really interesting question. What's your perspective on that? And then it creates you a bit of time to think and it puts it back on them. And so you don't have to worry about having all of the answers. Or maybe it's just as simple as having a glass of water so that you can just take a pause during your presentation to kind of regain your composure. When you think about naming the fear, how you can prevent it and how you can repair it, you're basically much, much more prepared. And that helps you to feel more confident in that situation. Yeah, and I think it's really important when you're doing this that... And I think this is true for lots of these fears. 
sometimes when we talk to people about these in our workshops, people's response to fears is preparing more. You know, like the, I'm going to try and prepare so much that every eventuality is covered and I know absolutely anything and there is no question that someone could ask me that I wouldn't know the answer to and I think just watch out for that because it's unrealistic and impossible but it sometimes feels like our default is we just think you know it's almost like work harder work longer as the Mm. default to some of these fears and I think actually the most effective way of overcoming fears is almost acknowledging and accepting some of these things will happen someone will ask you a question and you won't know the answer that is going to happen and so the much more important thing is going how do you respond what do you feel comfortable doing in that moment do you do what Helen did which is do you just ask you basically ask the question back to that person I often now with a bit of practice feel comfortable saying that's a really good point of view or perspective I hadn't considered that bit of vulnerability and a bit of just honesty about saying yeah, that's not something I'd thought of. I think it's okay that you've not thought of absolutely everything. And so... I guess what this does is it takes the uncertainty away, doesn't it? Which Hmm. can probably amplify the fear. So it's not denying these things might happen, but it's saying, well, if it does happen, this is how you would respond to it. And that maybe just gives you back a little bit more control. And then our ideas for action nine and 10 are (laughs) both about designing your development. And the reason Helen and I are laughing about these is basically we had an argument before we started. (laughs) I mean, this podcast, it might not not sound like it's taken loads of preparation, but (laughs) but it did, about what we meant by designing your development. And we figured out we were A, both talking about two different things. Our compromise was to both have a kind of action under designing your development. So Helen's going to do designing your development nine. I'll then do designing your development number 10. And then Helen's going to talk to you about the squiggly career calendar. Okay, so number <laughs> our compromise. nine. Is that, compromise. Is that my, passive, my passive aggressive compromise? <laughs> it's like, fine, we'll just both do it, Helen, rather than align <laughs> on it. Uh, okay, so my one for number nine is about having a personal playlist for you and your development and then actually sharing that with your team so you can build up like a collective playlist or an album. Let me explain this. So your playlist is you would set like a learning intention for the year. So let's say the thing I want to learn more about this year is neuroscience. Then what I would do is have my own playlist of something that I want to read, watch and listen to this year that would help me learn more about that thing. So I think that's great for you. That will provide you a focus for your development. It will also give you quite a lot of diversity for your development because you've got three different sources and three different ways of learning it. Big thumbs up for that. But to make it even better, what I think it could be great is if in your team, if you all shared your playlist with each other, I think you've got almost like an album there for you and your development. Like I might say, oh, actually, I'm going to look at what Sarah's playlist is because she's basically curated some really interesting stuff there that could be really interesting for me if I want to learn something else this year. So I think this is about your personal playlist and then your sort of collective playlist as well. I would encourage you to create your own and to share it with your team. And rather than or, and (laughs) you could also think about designing your development together as a team. So the other way that we were thinking about designing your development is we often focus a lot on individual development and you and your career. That's sort of what we're here to help you all with. And there's also a lot of value in thinking about, well, what do you want to develop in as a team and how do you want to develop as a team? We've started to experiment with this a bit more now with Amazing If and with some of the organisations that we work with, where as a team, you might together agree, we all want to commit to improving 
maybe a certain skill or a certain capability or a certain behaviour. And let's take feedback as one that lots of teams and organisations want to get better at. So as a team, you might say, right, we all want to get better at more frequent and fearless feedback. And we're going to do for the next three months or six months. That's what we're really going to focus on, all of us. And so first of all, you've decided on that together. I don't think that's something you necessarily need to get told by your manager or your leader. I think it's asking that question and including people together and thinking, well, what feels relevant and right for us in terms of our team and our team development it could be something way more specific than feedback it might be some sort of coding algorithm it it might be a kind of more technical skill set that you will want to get better at maybe you want to practice doing more hackathons so once you've together almost agreed on that learning objective you can then think about well how do we all like to learn individually which will look and feel different so Some people might really like to go away and dive quite deep and and maybe read a more detailed book or journals or articles. Other people might love to learn by, you know, being in a a live learning workshop where you're learning with other people. Maybe you love podcasts. Everyone sort of has, I think, their own way of learning best. The idea is then as a team, everybody sort of shares, Okay, well, we've got this shared objective, but I might be the person who says, well, I'm going to go away and listen to three different podcasts Helen might go and read one book someone else might think about I'm going to go and see what TED talks I can find and then you come back together and you're sharing what you're learning so that everyone can succeed but we've all got this common objective in mind this common goal that we're all working towards so we're sort of I guess combining our we all learn in different ways but we've got a kind of shared objective and how can we sort of learn together which I think could also be a really nice thing to do alongside your individual playlists and obviously that's better I think they're both better together because (laughs) you individually learn and then you collectively learn different things so yes obviously they're they're a duo so we hope that that has been helpful for you we have two other resources that will help you following this episode today the first is the pod sheet so the pod sheet will summarize those 10 actions that we've talked through so that you can reflect on them in your own time and I don't know maybe you tick off one at a time or uh, maybe you share it with other people but that will summarize what you've heard from us today the second thing that we have developed for you is the squiggly career calendar Woohoo! Um, so this is something sorry that you did you want to respond there yeah woohoo <laughs> yeah thanks Sarah <laughs> it's exciting everybody this is a, a document that we have produced and had designed for you it basically takes you through each month of the year and for each month there is an idea for action there is a coach yourself question we have selected a playlist for you of something to read watch and listen to and then we've also put a little bit of a kind of a prompt for you at the bottom so that you can think about what action are you going to take so if you want a bit more support with your development print it off share it with your teams maybe it's something you could do together it could be a learning moment every month for you it's there for you to use to support you with your squiggly career development this year the links for both of those things will be in the show notes you can find it on social media either at amazing if on instagram or followers at linkedin as well or just email us if you still can't find any of that stuff you can always email us we're helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com And for the rest of January, we're really excited by some of the episodes we've got to share with you. We are going to, probably unsurprisingly, focus on You Coach You. And the way that we've done that is we have taken the different chapters in You Coach You, which includes resilience, self-belief, purpose, progression, time, relationships. And we have sought out an expert whose work we really admire and who has really inspired us in the work that we've done and in that specific area. And we've recorded episodes, really short, very specific episodes with them. 
And those episodes will be coming out on both a Tuesday and a Thursday because they're sort of short and sweet, but also we've got quite a few of them. So we're going to put out (laughs) two a week for the next couple of weeks. So every single one of those people are brilliant and just they're really practical loads of tools loads of different techniques so i'd really um recommend having listened to those the ones that you know you feel might be really useful for your career at the moment and please feedback and let us know what you think hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, thank you so much, everybody, for listening today, and we're back with you very soon. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. 